the late 80s, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Pat Trek. My continuing mission to introduce my friend Patrick to the best show that ever ran on television and to boldly go where millions of white guys with glasses have gone before. Hello and welcome to Pat Trek. This is the show where my friend Pat O'Rourke introduces me, Patrick Winninger, to Star Trek The Next Generation, a show that I've never seen. And I have seen a ton of times. And Patrick, do you remember our good friend Carl? What? Carl? Hmm. He used to do the podcast with us? My records indicate no memory of Carl. Car- you don't remember Carl? Yeah, I'm looking this up. He uh, was the see. big guy, never smiles. Mm, doesn't have a social security number. He was number. a Klingon? Yeah, no, I'm not seeing any... Uh, any record of anyone named Carl? <laughs> Anywhere. Anywhere on Earth. Records. It's your phone. All Carls have disappeared. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm talking about Remember Me. Oh, yeah. Uh, this episode of Next Generation, El Beverly Crusher Heavy episode. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of those. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad she's getting uh, some of the spotlight. Did, I thought she did a great job, yeah, too. No, I, th- I actually like this one. It's, it's like this altered reality yeah. episode. The Traveler comes back. Ugh. <laughs> yeah time that, space thought all, all one thing. thing yeah um fun fact yeah what is it uh well i actually there's a couple of really fun facts okay well we got you, time you want me to, I'll, I'll hit you with the first one you know the uh footage of the starbase starbase 133 yep didn't that look familiar it did do you remember what episode it's from that footage uh, i think that's the one with uh minuet right yep yeah yep you're absolutely <laughs> right it's uh, the same footage as Starbase 74 from the episode 11001001. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Which I was like, man, I feel like we've seen this shot before. Yeah. And we did. All You know, all the Starbases look the same. <laughs> They're pretty much... I don't... That's not true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they probably just, like, changed the numbers on them, or maybe they didn't even bother to do that. Mm. The other interesting fact is Gates McFadden did all of her own stunts. Whoa. Yeah, so when she's jumping around. She's flying around, around in this yeah, one. she did it all on her own, and she was pregnant at the time. Whoa. She didn't know it. She found out the next day. Oh, cool. Well, yeah. congratulations. Uh, a <laughs> very child. belated congratulations <laughs> on your new child. Uh, yeah, she was, she was a professional. She's a professional dancer, though, right? Oh, that's right, yes. So she probably is able to, like, fly around and, and do stunts like that. Yeah. That's very impressive. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, congratulations, Gaze McFadden, on uh, the discovery of your pregnancy, which happened on October 22nd, <laughs> 1990. That's when this episode aired. I clicked on the first headline that I found. I luckily found a very good one. All right. Steven Seagal keeps death hold on box office. Action star Steven Seagal again stood his ground at the box office as his action thriller, Marked for Death, took the number one spot for the third consecutive week. Ticket sales approximately $5.1 million, the 20th century, blah, 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 blah. Second place went to some movie called Memphis Bell that I don't remember. Mm-mm. And then Quigley Down Under was the third place. <laughs> I do remember that one. Me too. Um, Man, he was so big for a while. He, Yeah, he mm-hmm. was huge. I remember Under Siege was like oh, yeah. a massive thing like uh in boy scouts we went to the uss alabama uh and that was like the only reason i ever joined because you get to like spend the night on a battleship and it's really <laughs> cool they had multiple uh 
museum exhibits on a World War II battleship that saw action about under siege because that's where it was filmed. <laughs> like that's was like this is the under siege ship. <laughs> um, he is like a high level Hapkido fighter, like in real he life. Is? Oh, yeah. okay. I just this is so funny. He's such a weird guy. Because I just watched a bunch of footage uh, about Steven Seagal on yeah. YouTube. I went down like a Steven Seagal rabbit hole. He fascinates hole. me. Well, it was that one with uh, Steven Toblerowski. Oh yes, Have that you is seen the, that, that video? is one of the funniest videos on YouTube. Holy where shit! Where he, he talks about what it's like to work for Steven Seagal, and he doesn't want to kill people in movies right, anymore. Right. So you always have to com- pretend that you didn't die in the scene. If you if y'all haven't seen this thing, it's Steven Tobolowski talking about. What it was like to be—I forget what movie he was in with Steven Seagal, mm-hmm. but it, Gemini he, Man or something like the that. Glimmer Man. Glimmer Man. He was in the Glimmer it. Man Close. with Steven Seagal, and he Steven Seagal did not believe in killing people in movies midway through a Steven Seagal movie, and so Steven Tobolowski had to convince his character to shoot him, and then Steven Seagal said a bunch of stuff about like he just ad libbed like, "Oh, I'm glad I didn't kill that guy," so they had to bring Steven Tobolowski back yeah. to do VO. While it's like you see his dead body in the right. movie, and he has to be like, "Oh, you do as a flesh wound, <laughs> like Monty Python shit." <laughs> Very funny. That is why I clicked on this headline because <laughs> I had just watched that video last week. Yeah, it must have gone around yeah. among our friends. Yeah, cool. Well, let's get into it. Yeah. So remember me. Um, I will remember you. Uh, there's no. Um, who is that that does? The ASPCA commercials. Oh, uh, Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah. Was that a Sarah McLaughlin song? I think so. Okay. I it don't sounds remember. like it. Well, you were specifically asked to remember. <laughs> um, I yeah, that's ironic. I yeah. totally forgot. Uh, so, like a lot of you know, actually every Star Trek episode, there's a very routine thing. They're going to a starbase for repairs and you know, getting stuff fixed. And Doctor Crusher is meeting with like an old colleague, uh, this guy, Dr. Dalen Quace, and he's, like, hitching a ride on the Enterprise to go back to his home planet. He's a very older gentleman. Uh, He's got, like, this white mustache, and he comes aboard. And this part is important because uh, Miles O'Brien is there, and he greets both. Well, like, he sees both of them at this point. he greets them, yes. And they leave. And they're walking down the hall, and Dr. Quace is talking about his wife had died recently, and he like he's got to go home. He can't yeah. he can't be in the same like job. He can't do the same stuff. Everything that he does reminds him of uh, his loved ones. Do Everyone you, that he knows is dead. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's kind of sad. Right, it's a uh, very sad conversation that they have. He says a great dad joke here. He goes, I'm sorry for unloading all of my emotional baggage on you, Beverly. Right. I usually pack light. And he yeah. Out a suitcase. He's got a little tiny suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a Great dad joke. Great, yeah. And Dr. Crusher is like, look, I kind of get where you're coming from. You know, my husband had died, and I, I miss Jack, and I think about him all the time. So I feel the same way. Don't worry about it. In engineering, Jordy is being a real pill. He's oh, yeah. barking orders and yelling at Wesley. Wesley's doing some experiment or something. I think Wesley's being the pill. Wesley is kind of they yeah. gotta go. They have to leave, and Wesley is doing this experiment on the actual on warp the actual core. warp core. Yeah, not in the holodeck. Go to the holodeck, which Wesley is Crusher. What that's for. Yeah, isn't that why they built the thing in the first? Yeah, place? I mean it just got used for sex, <laughs> but it was supposed to be for like training, right? And uh, 
yeah, no, he's doing this on the actual warp core. He's like, just give me one more second. And, you know, Jordy's like, look, no, we have to go. Finish whatever you're doing, and let's get out of here. We're, like, we're ordered to leave. Yeah, we don't want Picard to say engage and just float here. Right. So, I kind of, yeah, I guess you're right. I kind of... I would not want Picard to come down here and start yelling at everybody, and that's why Jordy is yelling at yeah, him. Yeah, because he's the head of engineering. Right. He's got to do it. So, dude's got responsibilities. Like, he's doing stuff with, like, this warp bubble thing, and it doesn't work. And he's like, oh, okay, all right, you're done, Wesley. We got to get the engines back online. We're leaving. And it goes back to normal. But well, we see uh, Beverly comes down. Right, she comes down, and she's, like, talking to him for a second, and she's like, all right, I'll, I'll leave you to it. And then when Wesley looks up, she's gone, and we just assume that she had walked out. Mm-hmm. But we, the experiment failed, and there was a flash of light. Right. And we think that's all that happened. Mm-hmm. So this will be important later, uh, but it seems like a very just, you know, routine event Right. when it happens. And then the Enterprise starts its engines, and they leave. Uh, Dr. Crusher is going back to uh, the guest quarters where uh, where Dalen is, Dr. Quace. She tries to open the door. It won't open. And she, like, enters in some code. And she goes in, and he's not there. And I was thinking, it's like, oh, he's going to be dead. Yeah, you're going to find that body in your brain. Right. <laughs> he had, like, a heart attack or something. But, no, she asks, like, where's Dr. Quace? And the computer's like, there's no record of that person. What? Yeah. Is that possible? Yeah, like and where's his suitcase? Yeah, there's nothing. There's no evidence that he was ever on the ship. Now, weird. So this is where we get the you know the intro credits, and then Crusher goes to the bridge and you know talks to Worf and like, hey, we should do a security search. Like, I don't know where this guy is, and he's like, well, I don't remember this dude, but uh, sure, uh, I, I guess I could. You say that he exists, then all right, I'm, I'm going to go scour the decks. And he was like, no one informed me that this guy was arriving, so, you know, in the future, do that. Yeah, I'm supposed to know that kind of thing. We have a lot of problems with security on this ship, so, you know, (laughs) trying to We're actually really bad at our our jobs. We're actually horrible at our jobs, so uh, anything you can do to help would would be great. You know, he, he looks through the ship, and then in the ready room, Dr. Crusher is just baffled that he's not even showing up on the logs. Right. Like, she's talking to Captain Picard about how, like, I worked with this guy for 15 years. I know him. I arrived on the ship with him. I was just talking to him. Like, I'm not imagining this. And Picard's like, okay, like, I believe you, but, like, no one told me. Again, you need to tell people when you bring a guest on the ship. And she's like, I submitted all of the stuff, and I remember you approving it. And... I have no idea how this could have happened. They're like, maybe something got mixed up. Let's go to Data. Data, did you find anything on this? And he's like, not only can I not find a Dr. Quace on the ship, I can find no existence of anyone named Dalen Quace anywhere in the universe. Ever existing. Never existed. And she's like, maybe you spelled his name wrong. He's like, I went through every phonetical variation. There is no one named this. I'm not saying there's no one named this. I'm saying there's no evidence of it. Right. So... That's weird. That is super weird. Because Picard's like, I thought you said you worked with him 15 years ago. Right. And it's like, yeah, I did. Yeah, I know exactly where he worked, and here it is. And she's like, well, there is one thing. I went through the transporter room, and Miles O'Brien was there. I remember. He 
must have seen him. And they go to the transporter room. They talk to Miles O'Brien. He's like, yeah, uh, uh, you came here alone. And she was like, well, what, was I talking to the thin air? Like, and he says, no, but I do remember that I asked you if you needed anything, and you just said thanks, and you walked out. That's all I remember. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't see anyone come with you. And what could be going right, on? Well, Crusher responds to this by trying to give a medical, like a mental health check to O'Brien. And he's like, I feel fine. Right. O'Brien's like, I promise, like, nothing happened. And she's like, Well, I'll be the judge of that. And, you know, <laughs> she gets this medical device and she calls in two other doctors, uh, Dr. Slar and Hill. And again, the computer's like, there is no evidence of a Dr. Salar or a Dr. Hill on the ship. So it happened again. What? And O'Brien just kind of gives her this knowing look. It's like, oh, you know, maybe I'm not the one that needs yeah, to be. Maybe got to scan your head. Right. I, I'm not the one. So something is up. There's uh, people disappearing uh, because we know as the audience, like we saw Dr. Quace. Uh, we, we, we know that they, she can't be the only doctor on the ship, too. Right. So, it's illogical. Yes, yeah, something for a crew that big. Right, something to just is have going one on. Doctor. Oh yes, it would seem it would be illogical for a crew that big, but as we'll find later, the crew is getting smaller. What? So, all of the medical staff, not just Doctor Salarin Hill, have apparently disappeared. And it's not that they disappeared; they never existed. They never existed, and so Doctor Crusher's trying to talk to Picard about this, like what could have happened and he's like well maybe there were friends of dr quace did he have any any enemies or something like that someone kidnapped them wiped their records or something maybe that happened i don't know like that's my only guess but then wesley who's down in engineering he like lets people know he's like hey i was doing stuff with the warp core when all this happened so maybe you should come down and talk to me about this. That <laughs> <laughs> could be something just connected. I don't know. I promise I wasn't trying to make a whole bunch of people disappear. No, and next time, no, I'm going to do it in real life. I'm not going to use the holiday. Right. <laughs> so Picard comes down, and he, he like asks what he was doing, and he shows that there's this bubble, and he tried to create this warp bubble to increase the power of the engine or something, but uh, the bubble failed. There's a like a flash of light, and then that was it. He doesn't think that it could have caused anything but picard is saying well right now that's our only uh hypothesis there is no other explanation well what they do say is if um uh the doctor what's his name quice 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 was in engineering right he could have got stuck in there yeah and they said well was was quice in engineering at the time and he says no uh according to crusher he was like in his quarters or in sick bay those are the only places he could have been and that's way far away from engineering all of the doctors were in sick bay. That's way far away from engineering. So all right. of the people that are missing, it wouldn't make any sense because they weren't near the bubble. It was contained. Also, none of them are all that convinced that anybody's missing. Right. Because they never they're exist. Go- they're just going on Dr. Crusher's word. Right. So this has got to be really weird for her. Oh, yeah. And it, it only gets worse and worse because uh, – Dr. Crusher goes back to sickbay and now finds everyone else that she knew that worked in medical staff is gone. She goes up to the bridge, and she's trying to talk to Riker and, like, look, I can't be the only doctor on the ship. All right, Dr. Quace is missing. Fine. That's weird, but 
I can't be the only one. There's a thousand people on the ship. And Data's like, no, there's 200. What, what? are you talking about? What? 200? Yeah. Is this original series? <laughs> yeah. That's like original series numbers. Yeah. And Crusher is brought into the ready room by Picard. And Picard's like, maybe you should talk to Counselor of Troy. I'm not saying you're crazy. Please don't, you know, interpret this that way. But, you know, maybe you're under a lot of stress. Your, uh, your perception of things is not exactly what uh, our reality is. Just talk to Troy about it. Yeah. Dr. Crusher is adamant that there are a thousand people on the ship. There always have been. There is a Dr. Quace. She has a medical staff. None of this can be true. It makes sense. Like, this is a massive ship. It's the flagship of Starfleet. Well, and she throws out at one point, why do we have all these empty rooms then? Right. And Data's like, ambassadors, colonists. Yeah, people just, it's like a hotel. (laughs) (laughs) And so she tells uh, Captain Picard, I know all you have is my word, but please, let's go back to the starbase and just, if there's anything wrong with this ship, I think that that might be what is causing some kind of anomaly. And it's something we're overlooking, but I know that there were a thousand people here, and they're gone. Just trust me. And Picard says, your word is good enough for me. And we're going back to the starbase. So, yeah, you're right. We should get this checked out. Something, I don't think anything is up, but if you perceive it, I trust you. And I thought that was a good move by Picard. Yeah, for sure. If you look at it from his perspective, it looks like, you know, she is not perceiving reality correctly. Well, it's business as usual. Right. Everything seems normal to him from his perspective. But he trusts her, mm-hmm. and as a professional, he trusts her. So he's like, okay, I'm going to take that into account, and I think that's probably the best uh, course of action because they're just going to like some routine mission anyway. Right. They may as well just go back to the Starbase to make sure everything is fine. So uh, Dr. Crusher goes back to sickbay, and she's trying to work. You know, She's got a lot of work to do in her mind. She's got to care for all these people. She's the only doctor. <laughs> and just as she starts to get to work, this weird flash of light uh, shows up at the doors of sickbay. It knocks her down, and then it's trying to, like, suck her in or something, and she grabs onto this door, and, you know, it's this really dramatic sequence, and, and then it disappears. What was that? Oh, my God. Like, she doesn't know what... It was like a vacuum. <laughs> so, yeah, she, like, barely dodged it and then collapses, and then it's gone. Everything is back to normal. It's normal-ish. Normal-ish, but it, it's like the thing was never there. Right. It, like, knock some stuff around and then, you know, it's like a tornado appearing in your house. <laughs> you know, everyone's meeting in the observation room to figure out just what is going on. But now, Crusher's like, I can't believe we have 230 people. And Data's like, well, no, we have 130. So the number keeps getting lower and lower. What? What's <laughs> happening? Yeah. Uh, Everyone's being forgotten. Worf is now gone because she brings up Worf and people are like, who is that? Yeah, that's like big guy. Even the main characters are missing now. Oh, God. Used to be just red shirts. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Important people are gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Dr. Crusher's like, he's a Klingon. He's the only one on the vessel. And everyone's like, yeah, it doesn't ring a bell. I don't know who that is. Never heard of that guy. So Dr. Crusher's leaving and she goes to talk to Troy. And I... I really liked like the the sequence where she's 
talking to Troy about like her perception, and she like is second guessing herself mm-hmm. by making the ship go to uh, you know the starbase. But Troy's like, so what? Like we were just on a routine mission. What's going to happen? We're going to be a couple days late. You are trusted on the ship. You have an important job, and if you perceive something is off, then good. Okay, you're you're putting the ship's safety first. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing to do. And she's like, "Well, am I crazy?" And she says, "If you're asking me that question, probably not. <laughs> I think you have a pretty good uh, like grasp of yourself. I wouldn't worry about that." But Dr. Crusher kind of feels like she's dodging the question, but it's mm-hmm. just Troy also, like Picard, trust her mm-hmm. to make the right decision, and it seems like she is. Yeah, they should get the ship checked out. Yeah, why not? Right. right. There's no reason not to. At the very uh, least, they could drop off Beverly at the Starbase. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that she wouldn't like object to it if uh, you know she, she was convinced that there's nothing wrong with the ship. Right. But she is reminded of something else mid-conversation. Wesley. Where is he? So if Worf is gone, if people that she has known for a long time are gone, is her son going to go next? So she runs down to engineering. She's looking around, and Wesley's not there, but then he you know, appears from... Yeah, they did a lame thing. They did this uh, you know, fake-out sort of thing. But he's there, and he asks you know, if everything is okay, and she says, actually, no. I think that we may have only a short time left. I'm afraid that you're going to disappear too. And he's kind of freaked out by this, but he says, you know what? I actually, I contacted Kaczynski, who was the guy who, you know, he was a, the jerk that yep. retooled all of the, uh, um, well, claimed to retool all their warp drives, but is actually the traveler. Ah, uh, yes, the traveler. Yeah. He says, I sent a message to Kaczynski and uh, it hasn't arrived yet. It's going to take several days, but. Um, he's really the only guy that knows the Traveler, who is the only guy who could fix this warp bubble thing. So if it had anything to do with the experiment, which we don't know yet, the Traveler is the guy that can fix it. So maybe he can help. I don't know. And Dr. Crusher's like, okay, well, uh, I hope he shows up and helps us. And she turns away, and then Wesley disappears. Just like that, he's gone. Yep. He's off the show. Yeah, yay! <laughs> no, I, I, I'm I'm growing to uh, accept Wesley. Mm. I guess interesting. Uh, so Doctor Crusher runs to the bridge, and she finds the whole thing empty, except for Captain Picard. He's the only one there, and she's like, "Hey, where is everyone?" And Picard is starting to get a little upset. He's like, "Look, your perceptions of reality." are different from what everyone else is experiencing. I think you need to understand the problem may be you. Like, just think about that. Please, I'm trying not to get mad at you. But then Beverly goes through all of the people that are gone. It's like, you don't remember Commander Riker. And he's like, I have no idea who that is. He's like, plays the trombone, loves jazz, goes in the holodeck for, like, extended periods of time (laughs) and just, like, shows up naked. <laughs> really Covered weird guy. <laughs> yeah. Says he can make omelets, but he's actually just like cracking an egg into a pan and stirring it. And they're <laughs> awful and we have to pretend to like it. You know, that guy, Data, he can't get any jokes at all. That guy, like no, and she's no like listing all the people that have 
like are are gone. Counselor Troy's not there either. Nope, no recollection. Yep, Picard has no idea who these people are, and he thinks Beverly's crazy. Yeah, although she also brings up the point. So it's just you right. driving this giant ship. <laughs> Why would we do that? Yeah, and he doesn't seem to have. He he like uh, briefly acknowledges like yeah it is pretty weird I'm the only uh, person on the bridge, but you know I'm sure Starfleet has their reasons whatever, <laughs> <laughs> and Beverly is about to say something to him like and it's kind of this will they won't they thing, she's like well you know I've only got you here for a short time so I just want to tell you and she turns and he's gone, so now Picard is gone too so she's alone on the ship yeah, and she says I'm never going to forget any of you. I promise. I'm not going to. What happened to you, your memories being wiped, that's not going to happen to me. I'm going to keep all of you alive uh, in my mind, and I'm going to come back. And then she looks at the, the view screen. Uh, that, you know, we've got this rushing air sound again. The vortex is back. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to pull her in, and she grabs, you know, one of the chairs on the, on the helm, and she just barely escapes, like being sucked into this vortex. Again, and then yes. it's gone. From the vortex, though, you do hear noises that sound familiar. Yeah, like you hear voices and stuff. Yeah, maybe but is that Jordy LaFleur? It sounded like Jordy yelling. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, but yeah, she doesn't get uh, sucked in, so she falls to the ground and uh, gets back up. But then, yeah, from the other side, you see Jordy and Wesley in engineering, and they're again they're working on the warp bubble thing. And they're barking orders at each other, and they're trying to keep the bubble intact, but then it collapses. And Wesley is just distraught. Right. And Jordy says, I'm so sorry. But what this means is the bubble has collapsed on her. Yes. On Dr. Crusher. She's the one trapped. She's the one trapped. She's the one that went missing. Mm -hmm. Now we know. Yes. So that explains why all these other people had no recollection, why all these other people disappeared one by one and then you know hundred by hundred it's because she's in the bubble she's in another reality right it's something created by her mind Mm -hmm. because it can't really handle being stuck inside of a warp core yeah so now we're in uh the normal universe that we're used to and picard is giving this like briefing he's like yeah we've been trying to get dr crusher uh out of the uh, warp bubble and every attempt has failed Uh, we don't know what we're going to do, but now uh, the Traveler has showed up. So this guy is back. <laughs> this guy. And wasn't he going to be the captain, maybe? Like, he had auditioned oh, yeah, the for the role. Did. Yes, he did. And then they were going to make the Traveler a much bigger character. Right. Um, but similar to the Ferengi, after he got his test run, people didn't really yeah. like him that much. But he's back. I don't... I think it's kind of dumb. Yeah. What he does. I think this episode it structurally is really interesting and fun. Right. I did like how they, they switched the perception. Yeah. But I don't like the kind of magic shit. I don't know what the... F- they're, they're doing math. Yeah. Yeah. I don't either. But he shows up and he's like, I'm the only one that can help you because humans uh, perceive space and time yeah, weirdly. They don't... Yeah, you, don't, you guys don't get you it. You guys don't get it. You're not <laughs> hip and cool like me, all right? I get it. Yeah, so he's going to help them uh, get uh, Dr. Crusher back. Back in the warp bubble, Dr. Crusher is trying to, like, go through the computer to deduce what has happened and to prove that she's not crazy. That's yeah, the other thing that she's doing. Yeah, she's yelling at the computer, like, 
So does this person exist? Okay, am I crazy? And the computer's like, yeah, I can't answer that. And she's like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> but then she goes through, like, she's running down the halls, and I love this part where she's like, so how big is the Enterprise? And it says how big the Enterprise is. And it has a crew of one. Yes. And that crew is me. Yes. Do I possess the skills necessary to pilot the Enterprise alone? And the computer's like, nope. <laughs> and she's like, then why was I the only one assigned to this ship? And the computer's like, I can't answer that. She's like, yeah, I didn't think you could. <laughs> so she runs up to the bridge. And she remembered from talking to Wesley that the Traveler uh, might be on Tau Alpha C or someone that knows the Traveler. So she's like, okay, um, I'm going to set a course to that. How long is that going to take? And the computer's like 150 days. She's like, oh, great. Fine. I guess that's what I got to do. All right, set a course to Alpha Tau C. And the ship doesn't do anything. Yeah, doesn't move at all. Yeah, and she's yelling at the computers like, I told you to set a course to Alpha Tau C. And it says that planet doesn't show up in uh, the ship's records. What? Doesn't exist. So now whole planets are disappearing. Oh, my God. Man. Because the bubble's collapsing. Well, we don't know that yet. But she looks out the view screen, and there's this weird mist. There's no oh. stars. Nothing is there. What the hell? And she's like, what? what is this? And the computer's like, yeah, that's an energy field. She's like, what? Okay. So that's an energy field. There's no planets. It's not me that's the problem. It's universe. Which is a, a really great way to think of things. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I'm wrong about anything, I think yeah. it's the universe. Well, you know, coming, I, you know, if if you look at this as a metaphor of uh, Doctor Crusher's trauma, right? You know, she was talking about the loss of her husband and like raising Wesley and all this stuff, talking to this guy who had lost everyone that he knew, and I think I interpreted that the bubble as. Uh, a metaphor for dealing with that trauma. And it's like, no, it really isn't you. The, the world is just fucked up. <laughs> like, right. it, and it has nothing to do with you, and it's, and it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I feel like this part is a metaphor for Dr. Crusher coming to terms with that mm. and dealing with it. That's how I interpreted it. I don't know if that is how it was meant. Oh, I was thinking it was space magic. Yeah, it's also space magic. <laughs> it's also space magic. <laughs> no, I think you're right. Um, I think there's a bigger meaning there. Yeah, but it kind of gets muddled by introducing the traveler. Agreed. Um, so that part I wasn't. Uh, but the, the other part is she asks a computer uh, for a description of the universe, and it says the universe is a bubble 705 meters in diameter. Right. <laughs> and uh, she's like, oh, okay, so I'm I'm trapped in the warp thing. All right, mm. cool. She figured it out. <laughs> I'm in the bubble. Yeah. Back in the timeline that we're used to. Enterprise is back at the Starbase, and, and Wesley uh, and the Traveler are working together to try to get the warp bubble back. Yeah, and he's like, close your eyes, Wesley. Right, yeah. This whole time the Traveler's been telling everyone, it's like, I can't do this by myself. You need to understand that time, space, and thought are all one thing. And like, he does like this meditative thing with Wesley. It's like, you got to see beyond the numbers. And it's like, I thought that this was literally a science experiment that caused this. And well, and you're looking at a computer screen. Yeah, you need to see. You need to look at it. And I don't know what closing your eyes does because how he just starts touching buttons quickly then. It's like, well, what what is he doing? Yeah, they bring the warp bubble back. Right. And at first you think it's like, oh, cool, it actually worked. Like this weird meditation thing that brought the bubble back. But then the traveler's like, 
the bubble is collapsing. So it's like, oh, okay, well, now you killed her. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Back in, uh, yeah, that was, so like they're trying to get the warp bubble back, and they're kind of like phasing in and out of space and time or whatever mm-hmm. as this happens. Somehow Wesley is able to do this because he He's understands flickering. that time, space, and thought are all one thing, and you know, know. He, he has whatever magic power the Traveler does. I don't know. I don't know either. It's dumb. Yeah. But back in Dr. Crusher's universe, she starts to feel the ship like rock and things are changing. Like something is happening. And she goes to the computer and gets a visual image of the ship. And like the front section is gone. Yeah. There's no front. Right. And she's like, hey, what happened to deck such and such? It's like, there is no record of that deck ever existing. (laughs) She's like, oh, okay. Uh, Tell you what, screenshot this, put that there, and show me a visual representation of the ship now. And it's different. Oh, yeah. It's smaller now because yep. the bubble is collapsing onto the ship and destroying everything that used to be outside the bubble. Right. If you're outside the bubble, you don't exist. You don't exist anymore. And you've never existed. So she can't get it's a bubble of existence. This. Yeah, she can't yeah. get caught by this thing. She asks, how long do I have to live? Right. It's like the life support goes out in like four minutes or yep. something. Yeah, and she, she's got to get the hell out of the bridge because that's, like, near the front of the ship. Yeah, yeah. She gets on the turbo lift and tries to go to some point in engineering but is told that it doesn't exist. She's right. like, just take me to this deck. And the thing the Traveler had been saying was that she has to decide to leave. Right. This universe that she's in, it is caused by the warp bubble, but it also is her own thoughts mm-hmm. creating, you know, what's here. So they can make a gateway for her. But she has to jump through it. Right. And so that's what the Traveler and Wesley and Jordy have been doing uh, try- with the Vortex thing. Right. And th- that's the gateway they've been trying to open up for mm-hmm. and, and, and bring her through. If she would have gotten sucked into that thing she would, earlier, none she of this would have been. been yeah. yeah. But of course you wouldn't want you to. You wouldn't get- know. Yeah. It looks yeah. like it looked like it was a thing that was going to kill you. It looks like a thing from Poltergeist. Yeah. Is there a way they can just make it like a door or yeah, something? Yeah. <laughs> Got to work on your bedside manner. Right. You know? Yeah. If, yeah. Thought, if thought and matter are one thing. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Smart Guy Traveler, can't you just make this like a normal thing? Make it a puppy or instead something. Instead of like a gaping maw of lightning and yeah. death. <laughs> no one's going to go through that. No way. Yeah, you didn't think of that, Smart Guy. Come on, Traveler. So You're supposed to know this stuff. Crusher's running through the halls. You're magical with math. I know. <laughs> Jeez. Maybe he's expecting everyone to close their eyes and just run into oh, I danger. Don't I don't know. Dumb character. So... She goes uh, into engineering, and she sees another one of these vortexes. By now, she knows that she's got to get through it. Yeah. And on the other side of it, Wesley and the Traveler are, like, working furiously, and they're exhausted. They're phasing in and out of this universe and that one, and uh, they only can keep this thing open for a few more seconds. But luckily, Dr. Crusher jumps through, and this is one of her own stunts, Yep. at just the last second and lands on the floor of the engineering deck in the real world. <gasps> just as the bubble collapses. They did it. They just did in it. time. Yeah. Yeah. She sees Picard, and she's very glad to see that he actually does exist. And, yep. You know, they embrace. She's like, yeah, it's, gr- it's great to see you again. And then she sees Wesley, who's now passed out at the, uh, the computer in, in engineering. And she asks the traveler, I assume I have you to thank for this. And he turns to Wesley and... He says no, and then Wesley comes up and you know hugs his mother, and tears. Yeah, and they ask, 
or Dr. Crusher asks, how many people are aboard the Enterprise? And the answer is 1,014, including Dr. Quace. They said, is there something wrong with that number? And she says, no, that's exactly the right amount. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> well, Patrick, this is the part of the podcast where we like to rate what we just saw. If we thought it was amazing, must-watch Star Trek, we set to kill. If it's pretty good and comes up in the queue, you want to give it a watch, we set to stun. And if it's horrible, avoid at all costs, we leave it in the holster. So, Patrick, what would you think? This was almost a set to kill for me. I got to say set to stun. Mm. It's a high set to stun, I guess, if you want to do that kind of range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's set to stun just because the Traveler stuff really muddled what I thought was a good metaphor for Dr. Crusher dealing with um, the trauma of losing her husband mm -hmm. and, and her loved ones. And I, I felt that the structure of the episode where it tricks you into thinking that you know, it puts you in Dr. Crusher's shoes. Yeah. She thinks she's in the real world, and it turns out you find out halfway through the episode, no, she's been in a bubble universe this whole time, and what you thought was the bubble universe is actually the real world. Right. I thought that was a very good mechanism. I think Gates McFadden was, is a tremendous actress and did a great job. Uh, it's just that Traveler thing making this space magic. Yeah. In, instead of... No, it's just an anomaly in space, and it made people live in this hell of their own psychology. Like, <laughs> I thought that that was a cool episode. Yeah. It's still worth seeing. Totally. But it's a set to stun instead of a uh, set to kill for me. Yeah, I agree with you. Set to stun for basically the exact same reasons. The storytelling of this was really fun, and the way they flipped the universe on you around, like, Act 3, 4, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I thought was really, really cool and interesting. The Traveler is a lame concept of a character yeah i also just don't get it yeah yeah i, I don't I get don't, it either. I, I don't really have a follow-up to that i don't get it like what is what is wesley channeling yeah and why are they phasing well, in they and did, out like this they're weird not doing they're chosen not one thing with wesley in the yeah. first season that they rightfully abandoned yeah. and they kind of like halfway brought it back in this one and it's just like don't do that yeah. Wesley, I think, is at his best when he's just, like, an inexperienced crew member that is yeah. talented, yeah. but inexperienced. Yeah. And is learning how to grow up. Exactly. That's he's a good a character. Kid yeah, is, that's a good character. The, the, the Wesley they had in season one was not. Yeah. Well, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> space Jesus. Space Jesus. No, we don't need space Jesus and space magic. Right. And Star Trek. That's what Star Wars is for. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, set to stun. Well, Patrick, is there anything you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for everyone that listens and a double thank you for everyone that donates to our Patreon. You know what? I'm going to up that. I'm going to say triple thank oh, you. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> Let's see what's out there. Peaches. Hot sauce. Peaches. Peaches.